Welcome to the Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is a place where successful thought leaders in the SAP space come to share their leadership styles, their tips, and their unique stories on how to run successful large-scale SAP programs. Listen to the podcast to learn from their successes, their failures, their career stories, and their inspirations. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. So, um, yeah, we're live. We're back in the office. This is season four, episode three. Can't believe um, how many of these we've done so far, and they've all been absolutely fantastic. So, no pressure, uh, Neil, but we can thank <laughs> Clive Mancy and Ashley Brown for having you on today. And, um, and Abby as well. Abby, this is the first podcast. First time podcasting, yes. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, Neil, yeah. So, um, first of all, tell us, tell us a bit about yourself and. Um, after that, I'm going to get Abby to do a quick fire question round. But um, yeah, tell us a bit about yourself. Wow. Um, sort of had a couple of parts to my career. Mm-hmm. Started my career in engineering and then sort of moved into consulting and mm-hmm. then SAP. So I've had a couple of different um, parts of my career. Personally, married um, two kids, three grandchildren now as of last Tuesday. You don't look old oh. enough. Two boys and a, and a girl. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, no. So life's pretty good. Yeah. Life's pretty good. Probably got a couple more years working in with me. You can probably <laughs> see the grey lines <laughs> and all the rest of it. Yeah, so yeah, no, but really enjoyed my last sort of like the last chapter of my career being involved in SAP and SAP projects. But yeah, um, yeah. and I, I think some of these questions are going to cover other aspects of. Uh, who I am and what I what I like, but uh, that's a little bit about me. Definitely, nothing, okay. nothing exciting, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to dive into um, that later on in your project management philosophy and some of the projects that you've run. But um, Abby, I'm going to hand over to you. Um, let's mm-hmm. get to know Neil on a personal level before we we go into um, a professional level. But yeah, if you want to do the quick fire question round, sure. So you've got three minutes. Let's keep it really quick, Neil. So quick fire questions and um, quick fire answers. Okay. Right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. So, what is your full name? Neil Ronald Minto. Neil Ronald Minto. I'll be calling you Ronald from now on. What <laughs> no. is your nickname? <laughs> well, I had a couple at school. Um, used to call me Snowy, and as you can probably tell, <laughs> that's because I've had this hair colour my whole life. Okay. Actually, now that's more white, but mostly mostly blonde. So Snowy it was. Snowy, uh, all right. At work, um, probably when I first started working in Sydney, um, they started calling me Ingleburn. And you know, the first time I'd ever worked in Sydney in 99, I didn't have a clue what it was until one of the project managers that was working for me says, oh, it's the suburb next to, Ingle- next to Ingleburn is Minto. Minto, it is, yeah. So Ingleburn, that's the whole time I worked at Telstra. Um, <laughs> last one, really a guy at Department of Finance, now Department of Customer Service, used to call me the maestro. The Maestro. I think it was Which one's wrong. your favourite? Well, I don't mind any of them. All my school friends still call me Snowy, so. Snowy. And we get together once every 12 months to go to the cricket. Snowy it is. So, okay. Yeah, Snowy. Well, we'll call you Snowy then in that case. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Snowy, where are you from? <laughs> Newcastle. Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. So, uh, been there all my life. All yeah, your life. So that kind of ties life. in nicely with the next question. How long have you been in Australia all your my, life? All my life, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Different parts of Newcastle, but yeah, pretty much a Newcastle guy. Great. And where are you currently working? Um, Endeavour Energy. Been there for 
two and a half years now. Been mm-hmm. fun program, yeah, Endeavour Energy. I'm sure we'll get into that a bit further down the line today yeah. as well, won't we? Um, what's the best job that you've ever had? Wow, so I guess best job equals best project because I think, you know, that part of my career. Mm. Um, hard choice, I've had lots of fun ones. A lot of the ones I've really enjoyed, um, probably my last one, Endeavour Energy, I'm really enjoying this one. Yep. And I did one about 12 years ago, Gold Coast City Council. Mm. Both jobs have been rescues. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, someone mucks it up, they'll come in and fix it up. So yeah. it's a good, um, I actually enjoy that. It's, it's really challenging, you know, and uh, and you can't always be critical of people when they start things because it's sometimes, mm. you know, you don't know, you don't have control of all the circumstances. But yeah, uh, yes, yeah. but I, I love that, love the challenge. So what's the worst job you've ever had? I think I told you the first half of my career I was an engineer. So I did my time at, um, as a trainee engineer at BHP at Newcastle. Yep. And uh, they did, you had to do all sorts of stuff. So I just remember this day in one of the rolling mills, standing a foot deep in grease Ooh. with a sledgehammer tightening up nuts and bolts on roll, roll mills. So they have a breakdown and that breaks, so you have to do that. So in Greece. You thought to yourself, I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life, no, no. way. Yes, it's yeah. kind of like what to avoid. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> um, favourite sport? Mountain biking. Mountain biking. Been doing it probably since my early 30s. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, where I spend a lot of my spare time. Yeah, it's ah, good fun. I thought yeah. you were going to say cricket then. Um, favourite beer? Uh, I'm not really a beer kind of guy. But if you come Whiskey. to my place, there's usually a 150 lashes or something else in the fridge. Yep. My son's a beer kind of guy, so you have to be uh. prepared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got to open and welcome him with open arms. Your favourite meal? I fill it and salad. And salad? Usually when I cook it myself. Okay. Yeah. No chips? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, how do you keep yourself sane? Well, I guess the lockdown one really has been walking, I think spending a lot more time at home with my wife <laughs> than when, when I'm traveling for work yeah walking walking, walking or cycling yeah I was gonna say yeah mountain yeah. biking right um how if you could describe your management style in one word what would it be collaboration mm, I like that mm-hmm. we agree with that don't we uh favorite music uh queen Queen have been have been since yeah I was a little, my five year old yeah. son's favorite band as well so yeah, you so guys would get along it's yeah? Good, yeah um favorite film favorite film uh, I'm not really a film kind of guy no too busy mountain biking yeah oh, I can watch a lot of you know I can go get lost on uh, you know on uh, YouTube watching mountain biking videos but no not yeah, a not a not film a, guy no, no not really that's fair enough best holiday destination um probably five six years ago Verena. Lake Como, Italy. Oh, gorgeous, beautiful. isn't it? Beautiful, yeah. beautiful on the lake, yeah. yeah gorgeous. Yeah. Much mountain biking there? Oh, I think I, I think I'd uh, have to retire from mountain biking if I took mountain biking up there. It's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's steep, <laughs> very steep. More Italian red wines yeah. instead. Um, bucket list thing to do? Um, my wife and I have been wanting to travel to Machu Picchu. Oh, yeah, uh, Unfortunately, with family health problems on my mum's side, it's been a bit challenging of late, but that's on the list next to do. Yeah, okay. Yes. Good. Well, I hope you get there. Mm. Favourite city? Um, again, from time when we were in Europe recently, uh, Florence. 
Oh, it's great. I really it? loved uh, the, the nightlife and the piazza and getting out and the meet and greet. Yeah, very yeah. lovely. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Maybe an Italian in a previous life. Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you weren't in SAP, what would you do? Uh, I touched on it earlier, probably mechanical engineer, probably my roots. Ah, I mean, go back to the Greece. <laughs> not necessarily the grease. <laughs> Hopefully I can move on from the grease. Yeah, that, that's probably what I've been doing still. Okay. Yeah. And last one, a fun fact about yourself, Neil. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but in, in my early 20s, I was actually an aerobics instructor. Amazing. In Lycra. In the Lycra. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Motivate. I have a few yeah. embarrassing photos. We will try and get those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that was great. Thank you. I've learned a lot about you now, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, Abby. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, let's dig into your career. You, you said a little bit about your um, engineering background, but um, if you cast your mind back, Neil, how did you get into SAP? Tell us a bit about the, the story. Yeah, again, sort of comes from, I guess, a, an engineering background. I mean, I worked for a company for a lot of years by the name of Tomigo Aluminium. Mm-hmm. Now, two times in that time I was there, one, they decided they implement SAP and then they had to find the money to implement SAP. So on the second round, I was asked, I was asked to be involved in developing um, an activity-based costing system, a long way from engineering, you'd say, um, for the company, for the, all their products, because they didn't like their old system. So I worked on that for about two and a half years and developed that system on the plant. And then basically then they bought in their SAP project and I ended up, I went from the engineering part of the business into the finance part of the business and implemented activity-based costing system as part of FICO, the FICO part of the project, completely mm-hmm. opposite to what I thought I would be doing. Yeah, but that, that was my first experience. Mm. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that, um, that experience. Yeah, it was good. So that's where, I, that's where it started my journey and I've basically gone from project to project since then. Yeah. Sure, sure. Mm. And what, obviously you've done a number of projects um, now. What, what kind of keeps you in that SAP domain? Um, probably a little selfishly, plenty of work, realistically, even through mm-hmm. the tough times. You know, there's always been plenty of work out there. And probably the key other thing for me is what I like, what I like about, um, I guess, software projects is, is, you know, you're managing people. Mm. You know, it just happens to be SAP, but, you know, managing people. So, you know, methodology is important, but I think the most important thing for me is people and more people, different projects, more mm. challenges. And that's what I really like about it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then talking about projects, um, it'd be good to understand what you define as a, a successful project. Um, no, yeah. Well, I guess old Maxim. You know, on time, on budget, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. You know, but pretty much they, they hold true. Rarely happens. Hence, I get a lot of project rescues. I think I mentioned that point earlier. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, successful programs are, are really about, um, one, try to stick to that, making sure you hit time on time, on budget. But what makes it successful is getting the opportunity to set your team, yeah. to pick your leadership, to pick their strengths and weaknesses, and build a successful team. So I think if you've got a successful team, you can make it happen no matter what the adjustments you need to make to your yeah. project and your schedule. So that to me is key. And um, and I think this has evolved over time for me because, um, um, you know, 
learning from the first time I ever led a, a group of people, which was in an engineering context, learning people's behaviours, you know, strengths, weaknesses, how people fit and work together. Mm-hmm. Valuable experience, and I've just applied that to every project and every piece of work that I've done. So, yeah. evolved over time, but that, yeah, it's the, that's the part I love. Sure. What do you look for within teams? Like, what are your kind of top three imperatives that you look for? Um, the right leaders first. I mean, I think it comes a little bit back to, to methodology and how you need to approach and what the team needs to look like. And then, you know, look for people that are leaders either from a people leadership or from a technical leadership. And you need to have mm-hmm. the right blend. Then it comes about experience. You need to have the right experience. You need to pick the right person. You know, have led. This is the type of project. This is the scale. This is the complexity. Mm-hmm. You need to have a core of people that fit that fit that particular, you know, thing. The next, I think the last item is problem solving skills. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that you plan it, you have to change it. You plan it, you adjust it. (laughs) It's always plan, replan. You know, I've just been through the same thing just recently in my current program. So you want people that have the right technical skills, have the right leadership skills that Mm. you can rely on to do that. Yeah. Yeah. What is your project management methodology and how would you define it? Okay. Um... So I'll give you, I'll quote you some terms. So mostly SAPs ASAP or as soon as possible as some people <laughs> like to say, but yeah. but the, the original um, typical methodology they assign with their implementations. Mm. And I guess that's transitioned over time to that and a bit of activate where people want to be more agile for various aspects. So I yeah. tend to use that. You know, I've done some, you know, training in, in PMP and project management, so I'm familiar with all of them, mm. but I guess... Um, and I'm probably more aligned to some of those aspects just to make sure we get the, particularly on, on big programs, because to me, getting the governance right is, is critical on big programs. Um, you can apply and be a bit more flexible on smaller programs, but getting the governance right, particularly around stakeholder management, you know, risk and all those things is important. Mm. Um, but I think for me, there's no substitute for experience in, in utilising all of that. I mean, I, I remember I, I worked for um, my first consulting company, SMS Management and Technology, when I first moved to Sydney. Mm. And I sort of cut my teeth on a lot of, I guess, exposure to other methodologies, but also tools, templates, the way people have done things before. Mm. I remember my first ever job, well, not my first job, my probably my second job, Somebody threw me at a job at uh, working at a, a power station locally and said, right, you're going to be the change manager and the UAT manager. And I thought, fabulous. <laughs> wonder what they are. Yeah. So, <laughs> so just dived into the knowledge base yeah. and sort of said, well, there's a couple of different methods. And I went and assessed the groundwork and I had three weeks to write a strategy for both, mm. worked out what was going to fit and just adapted. Yeah. So for me, it's work out how to leverage what works at the site, at the client, the circumstances, yeah, and, and and start with start with that, right? You can lean on the experience of others, but you really need to adapt and, and craft it into something that'll work for the client or the circumstance. Isn't it Richard Branson that says, "Say yes, and then figure out how to do it afterwards"? <laughs> something uh, along those lines, isn't it? <laughs> fake it till you make it. You fake it till you make, make it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah right, of course, yeah, right. of course. Yes, indeed. This is yeah. going slightly off piece here, and we haven't written this down, I'm afraid. But I've heard you talk a lot about um, you've had some great experiences going in and rescuing projects. Yeah. Why, as someone who's gone in in the stage where it needs to be rescued, what's your thoughts of why these projects have got to that point where they need to be rescued? Um, probably what I'd say is a theme um, 
is an organisational, they'll, they'll get to a key decision where they want to invest or spend a lot of money mm. in an initiative and um, sometimes they don't necessarily get the right people in, they get the right advice from say a vendor, whether it's SAP or any other vendor for that matter. Mm. And they sort of looked at the bright lights and the opportunity and I believe the sales brochure <laughs> and thought, I'll just stand up something very quickly, I'll buy it, I'll stand up a team and it'll all look rosy. Mm. Yeah. But getting the right leader with the right experience to really temper the journey and craft it into what will work in your organisation to me is the biggest failure. Okay. So I f- often find myself in coming in after a period of time and they thought, right, didn't get any of that other stuff right. How do we then recut it? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. And redo that. So I think, you know, again, one of those earlier projects that I've mentioned, I won't specifically name them at this point, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, ha- has been that type of project where, yeah. where, where you come in and you have to sort of pick up the pieces. But it's all about, to me, same thing, analyzing where they've gone, what they've done wrong, how to turn it around, how to make it successful. Sure. And make the hard decisions about the team that's on the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm, Of course. Back back to picking the right leaders. you know and get get the right team to take it forward. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. I remember um, Richard Arkell saying that he gets quick wins and that's how he kind of gains that trust. Um, When you're on those rescue rescue projects, what's kind of your first, you know, 30 days or first month look like? Um, if, if I take the, you know, Richard's example, I do remember him saying this, but what, for me the most important thing is, um, I remember, again, one of my projects, Gold Coast City Council, and, you know, the sponsor said to me my first week, he said, Neil, when's the sh- when are we going live? And I said, mm, I can't tell you till next week. He said, I'm, I'm okay with that. So frantically trying to assess the landscape and understand where things have been and look at that. Now, that's probably a bit rushed. Mm. But I think the most important thing is understanding the lay of the land, mm. working out the team, working out, you know, what, you know, and sometimes you don't have all the data about what mistakes have been made and why the choices have been made. So I think you need to take the time to analyse the situation. Mm. I mean, you can't take the whole month, <laughs> for example. Jay's kind of like... You know, seek the opinion and the counsel from the others, get to know the people that are there yeah. and work out, okay, you're one, of, you're one of my future leaders or not. So I think I need to, I think I need to have you. So just work out where the opinions that matter yeah. mm-hmm. and, and what you need to glean from that yeah. to, to, to chart a path forward. So I'm hearing kind of people first. Is, is that right? Is Absolutely. That fair to say? Definitely. Absolutely. Here's a question, though. Say you had like... 100 items and 99 of them are brilliant they look successful this is something that i struggle with sometimes and there's one item that's a problem or a challenge what i tend to do is like focus on the one and how can we fix fix that um how do you reward or how do you kind of celebrate those in that in that example that i've used those other 99 wins with the team, especially when you're going into like a rescue, rescue project. Hmm, convoluted question. Um, again, I guess back it comes back to mixed a couple of things there. But if you're thinking about recovering, it is um, every everybody will have one or two cases to prosecute about why we are where we need to be and and have a view about what we need to mm. do. So. 
You know, you can't always, you know, entertain all of them in public. <laughs> Sometimes they have to be done in private because it's about, you know, relationships and things which are sensitive. Sure. Yeah. Um, but gathering enough data to bring the people together who you think are part of, and even those that aren't part <laughs> of the journey out, and, and basically thanking them for those inputs and sharing them in such a way publicly or in a meeting or something like to say, well, so-and-so said this, I think that's a good idea, what does everybody else think? And it's getting them to reflect on where they've been and perhaps what they need to do to fix things. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Abby's idea or Jay's idea, they probably go, oh, that's a good idea. So it's really drawing that out and then making them prioritise those things together. Mm-hmm. What's the most important thing for the team? What will get us the best outcomes? When will we be able to restart the project? When, when, when? I mean, this is just an example when I quote, you know, recovering projects. But I think it applies to anything. Sure. Yeah. Really, yeah. A little bit of accolade goes a long way, doesn't it? Just, you know, oh, absolutely. celebrating someone's little wins makes them feel no, great. Absolutely, absolutely as well. And I, and I think, you know, it's whilst rescuing a project might be fun and all the rest of it, it, all, it comes back to we all want to be here to, to be successful together. Mm. and feel good to come into work. Yeah. Certainly that's the way I like to feel when I go to work. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feel good Fridays. <laughs> so that's a good segue, Neil. I'm, I'm sure that would be, I could be wrong, but I'm sure it would be part of your project management methodology. But can you can you define what your what your project management methodology is? I think it's kind of wrapped up into, into everything that I've talked about today. Um, I guess that we can talk about the actual methodologies, but, but it really, in terms of, it, it's, a, it's a combination of my management style, which I think Abby asked me before, which is collaboration, um, and building the right team. I mean, I'm sorry to repeat mm. myself, but no, no, it's the, good. The, the, the methodology is, sure, you need to define the scope, you need to know what your budget, you need to know what your resources are and all the rest of it, and, but you need to be able to paint a picture about how we're going to get the work done. Yeah. So this is when it comes to the technical skills, right? So it's kind of like, this is what we've got to do. You know, we've talked about standard methodologies. Everybody needs to align to that. So it's really about selling that, getting them agree to that. So my methodology is to collaborate until we all understand how we're going to get it done and what we're going to do mm-hmm. and what the approach is and the method is together. So the methodology is and the approach is all about style. You have to hang your hat on one methodology or a bit here and there, but it's all about making sure you communicate and people understand and buy into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, I like to call it common sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, people will people will lead if they think they're being led mm. and, the, and they trust and they, you know, they buy into what the approach that you're giving them. Yeah, so. I agree with that. That's brilliant. People will lead if they think they're being led. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, good stuff. And then... Um, on the flip side, I ask you to get vulnerable now, but what would you say your biggest failure is um, and what did you learn from it? Uh, failure. Hmm. Okay, I, on a project, again, my company many, many years ago, you know, uh, this particular person in this project uh, of French origin, French descent, very demanding and driving and hmm. I felt this compelling need to do everything they said when they said and as quickly as they said and really you know you know I felt like I tell them everything was okay mm. but it wasn't yeah and I got to a point 
where I where it would really affected me. Now, not badly in any way, but it was like I can't disappoint you, so I need to get this done, regardless of how ridiculous the timeline was and what it was. So, mm. probably my biggest failure. It wasn't a big project or anything like that, but but I guess what it taught me was call it like it is. Yeah. Never be afraid to stick your hand up. Mm. And that's the most important thing for me. So biggest failure, one of my biggest lessons. Yeah. And I always ask, Abby, tell me about the problem. And I think uh, just test, test with your team that they've defined the problem, that they understand the issue that you're failing with. And so for yeah. me, that's what it's taught me, mm-hmm. to reflect on what people are telling me and sort of, hmm, do I think you're telling me exactly how it is? What I want to hear. Or well, yes, exactly. Thank you, Abby. What I want to hear, yeah. or is do I think there's something more? Yeah. So I think you need to have that inquisitive way of working with your team. That's not to say you can't engender trust, or you should engender trust. Mm. You need to know how much you can trust your team. Mm. Yeah. So very much about leading is is almost about understanding your team and and who they are and who you are and making sure that you've got that connection and then once once they're going okay you can leave them be <laughs> yeah but you need to work through that and i think i was quite young at the time and you know i didn't know what i should and shouldn't say to quite a senior person so sure sure wasn't a good wasn't a good wasn't a good time but yeah i learned a lot from it i've been there too so you're not alone yeah yeah, yeah. that could be quite um daunting i guess for say if you're a junior consultant and they're coming up to a program director or program manager and having to tell them how it is. Like, how do you build that trust and make them feel comfortable and create an environment that they feel comfortable to be able to, to, be able to tell you how it is? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And I think, um, you know, and, and what I've found over the years, particularly when you're leading big teams, um, and it's not always easy to do this because you're always busy, right? Everybody's always busy, is, <clears throat> You know, it doesn't matter whether you're the cleaner or the CEO, you know, as a CEO, I think you should act as like you should be able to talk to the cleaner. Mm. That might not be the best example, but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, appear as though you're accessible. Yeah. And people will see you as that and not be afraid to come and talk to you. Mm. So I think that's really, really important in how you treat any any, people, any person that you work with, be that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Seniority doesn't matter. No, and it shouldn't as well. And, and, and I find that one of the things I enjoy the most about projects is there'll always be plenty, there's always a couple of gems in the organisation that have never had the opportunity to shine. So mm. I like to find them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and being that way allows that to happen. Great. Brilliant. Mm. Um, now, you've obviously got a lot of experience and fantastic with people. Um, who would you say has been the biggest influence on your, your career and uh, what did they teach you? Um, what I'd say, no one person, just moments. There's been a couple, and I, and I might mention. Um, so I remember, so earlier on in my career, before I actually was just started to think about managing projects, I said, um, someone said to me, we were having a conversation with a probably a person probably ten years older than me, a manager, and then, you know, saying that I think I need five years minimum in, in any job that I have to know to be, feel good about it and feel in control. And he said, no, no, three. And if I look back at that, I go, yeah, you were right. And that's probably less these days, <laughs> depending on the job. Um, I always thought I wanted to do BAU, like BAU type of work, you know, have a BAU role and all the rest of it. Um, 
and I was encouraged by a couple of senior managers. Um, and it was actually that activity-based costing project I was talking about. And they convinced me to, to take that road and I've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of mm-hmm. like, and, and probably a little bit, I didn't believe in myself as well, probably a little bit of that. But once I got on project journey, that was it. Um, I think someone you had on recently, Clive Mancy, was mm-hmm. on my first ever project. And, um, and he said to me, after a week, he said, this project's a 95% about people, you'll do okay. <laughs> so I always remember, that's so Clive Mancy, sorry for mentioning yeah. you, Clive, but uh, <laughs> it's true, you'll, he'll remember that day. Yeah, he's a brilliant people person. He is, Clive, indeed. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, worked for a consulting company, SMS Management and Technology, for five years, great, great organisation. Mm-hmm. In the first year, the... Uh, the trainer for the organisation come up to me and said, I think you'd make a good trainer. So I was a trainer for um, about four years. I used to do the inductions for all their junior, the, you know, people, the first years used to come on, used to teach them all the consulting 101 stuff. So yeah. really enjoyed that. And so he had a great influence on me, to the taking care, taking time yeah. to look after people to engender their career. So that was good. Sometimes people notice things in yourself that you don't notice, right? Uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. You ask my wife, she says, I'll never be a good trainer. I'm not patient <laughs> enough. But I, think, <laughs> but I think when you're at work, you're a different person. I think, well, I'm, I'm a little different. Yeah. Uh, lastly, my father-in-law, um, mm-hmm. who gave me a lot of lessons about managing people. I mean, he was managing 25 people when he was 25. Wow. wow. And by the time he was 40, he was managing thousands. Wow, okay. What did he do? He was um, the he headed up um, training the whole training uh, uh, thing for uh, the BHP Steelworks at Newcastle. Right, right. Okay. So they had a thousand thousand apprentices, trainees, all that sort of stuff. Wow. Right. So he used to look after a thousand people. So, gosh, so lots of lessons. Yeah, yeah huge. I think a few years back, not too many though. But what would you tell your twenty-one-year-old self? Well, really, honestly, and you know, I think you probably hear this from lots of people, but nothing. I mean. You know, you've got to live your own journey. I think that's probably, mm. you can say that when you're just a little bit over 21. <laughs> um, but I, but I, what I certainly know that the, the arrogant 21-year-old would have said nothing. I already know it. <laughs> no, <laughs> so yeah. I wouldn't have listened. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing, right? <laughs> um, and, yeah, who would you like to see next on the podcast? Well, um, a couple of people that I've worked with on and off over the years, and I'm not sure if you've had him on before, but um, mm-hmm. Bernadette King, who we both know or all know pretty well, or Wayne Roach. Wayne okay. Roach. Or Wayne Roach. Leave that so, one with me, yep. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a couple of ideas, and they'll probably both kill me for saying that. <laughs> yeah. Challenges out there, guys. <laughs> well, that's how we got Neil, so. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pay it forward. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, we'll definitely approach um, Wayne and. I'm going to get Bernie, straight on the yeah. phone. Yeah. Approach yeah. Roach. <laughs> approach Roach. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. You said you yeah. weren't good at this. <laughs> Obviously, I am. <laughs> Brilliant, Neil. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. No, Thank you're you welcome. For that. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for thanks for inviting me in.